Welcome to Keep the Faith Ministry. Keep the Faith brings you timely messages with in-depth spiritual analysis of current events in light of Bible prophecy so you can prepare for the coming of Jesus. Listen to what the news won't tell you. Here is another important message for our times. This is Pastor Hal Mayer. Greetings to you this month from our team at Keep the Faith Ministry. I am praying that God will open your mind to His Word more fully as we study together. Today we're going to study a very serious matter. The Countdown to Doomsday. The day when the world, its cities, and its people are annihilated by nuclear holocaust. But before we do, I want to thank you for your support and prayers for Keep the Faith Ministry. It means so much to us to hear from you, and we really appreciate all the feedback we receive from our listeners. Don't be afraid to contact us with your prayer requests. We pray every day for our listeners and their prayer burdens. Also, check out our website. There is new material constantly being added. You can download sermons, articles, and many other interesting materials. Now let us turn to our subject for today, Minutes to Midnight. Prophetic sermons for decades have used the symbol of a clock to describe how near we are to the end of the world and the return of Jesus. Evangelists have often shown images of clocks in print, on overhead projections, PowerPoint presentations, and in other media to tell their audiences that Jesus' coming is very near. Often the clocks used in the pictures show the time to be just minutes before midnight. But did you know that a group of nuclear scientists have been using a symbolic clock to describe how close our world is to nuclear annihilation? and that they have been tracking world nuclear tensions for the last 60 years since 1947? It's true. Their symbolic timepiece hangs at the University of Chicago, and its second hand is figuratively adjusted whenever they think conditions warrant a change. Before we go any further, however, let us pray and ask God's blessing as we study. Dear Father in heaven, Today we come to you to learn your mind. We pray that you will help us to love you and you alone and be faithful even though we live in a world of unfaithfulness and increasing chaos. Give us a sense of the nearness of Jesus' return to earth. We pray that we will be ready to meet him when he comes. Our lives are pulled in so many directions, so help us today to focus on your important message for this hour. Now speak to us as we consider the perilous times in which we live. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of 1 Thessalonians, chapter 5. This chapter tells us something about what is going on in our world right now. It reveals the attitude of most people, whether religious or not, to the sweeping events taking place around us. They don't know that a great terror is coming upon them and a great destruction. They think that they are safe because they are protected by the government or because they go to church every week. They think they will be protected just because they claim the name of Christ, perhaps. But this is not true. 
The protection of God only comes when we have Jesus in our hearts and when He lives our lives for us, overcoming the devil on every point, the consequences be what they may. It requires our cooperation and surrender to His will moment by moment. While God's church slumbers on, while many of His people watch their bank accounts, their TVs and DVDs, and listen to their worldly music, and eat their chicken, fish, and who knows what else, the world is marching steadily on toward destruction. They aren't watching the current events. The vengeance of God is about to be poured out, and God's people are not preparing for the spiritual struggle that is about to take place. The eighth volume of the Testimonies for the Church, page 315, we read, A storm is coming relentless in its fury. Then in the third volume of Selected Messages, page 389, we read, The people must not be left to stumble their way along in darkness, not knowing what is before them, and unprepared for the great issues that are coming. Tragically, even most of those who claim to be God's people don't realize what terrible things are coming upon the world. I will begin reading the first verse of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. You are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night or of darkness. Therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Our world is on the brink of nuclear war, and we are asleep. We are careening toward World War III, yet somehow we think it won't happen for another hundred years. But on January 17, 2007, the world got a warning. It was not a warning in the sky. It was not a warning from the Bible. It was not an earthquake, tsunami, or other natural disaster. It was a group of worldly scientists and nuclear physicists. These scientists maintain what they call the doomsday clock, a symbolic clock that indicates how close we are to a nuclear war of annihilation. For the first time in five years, said the Toronto Star on January 17, 2007, the elite board of the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists is moving the minute hand on their doomsday clock closer to the fatal hour of midnight. We stand on the brink of a second nuclear age, said the Bulletin in its official statement announcing the change in the time of its symbolic clock. Not since the first atomic bombs were dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki has the world faced such perilous choices. This deteriorating state of global affairs leads the board of directors of the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists in consultation with a board of supervisors to move the minute hand of the doomsday clock from seven to five minutes to midnight. This sobering announcement comes at a time when the world is watching the proliferation of nuclear weapons. Not since the darkest days of the Cold War has the Bulletin, which covers global security issues, 
felt the need to place the minute hand so close to midnight, said the BBC. The doomsday clock, says Wikipedia, an internet encyclopedia, is a symbolic clock face maintained since 1947 by the board of directors of the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists at the University of Chicago. It uses the analogy of the human race being at a time that is minutes to midnight, where the midnight represents destruction by nuclear war. The second nuclear age refers to a new and far more dangerous nuclear threat era that has developed since the end of the Cold War. Doomsday refers to an array of events and political currents that will eventually bring a cataclysmic end to the human race through nuclear annihilation. The clock was started at seven minutes to midnight during the Cold War in 1947 and has subsequently been advanced or rewound at intervals depending on the state of the world and the prospects for nuclear war, said Wikipedia. The clock has actually been adjusted 18 times in those 60 years. It is interesting to note that for the last five years, the clock has been at the same seven minutes to midnight, just like it was after the first atomic bombs were dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki that ended the World War II. A crisis is brewing, and it is placing the world on edge, my friends. We are told that men's hearts will fail them for fear. Among the thinking men and women of this world, there is a growing apprehension about the future and a foreboding of trouble. Listen to this incredible statement from the Pen of Inspiration. This is found in the devotional book Maranatha, page 175. The time is right upon us when there will be sorrow in the world that no human bomb can heal. Even before the last great destruction comes upon the world, the flattering monuments of man's greatness will be crumbled in the dust. Does that remind you of the Twin Towers in New York City? It should. But do you think that is all the flattering monuments of man's greatness that will be flattened and crumbled in the dust? I don't think so. Much more is coming, my friends. Changing the clock is not something that scientists take lightly, said CBC News in Canada. The purpose of the symbolic clock was to promote their concerns about the danger of nuclear technology to politicians and the public, said the CBC. The people who make the decisions about where to place the minute hand on the doomsday clock are some of the most prominent scientists and professors in the world. The board of sponsors of the bulletin includes 18 Nobel Prize laureates. These are not just a bunch of nobodies. They are key thinkers. They are not mere reflectors of other men's thoughts. These are some of the best and most gifted minds in the world. They are in the know. They may not be Christians, but they are certainly concerned about where our world is heading. The simultaneous announcements in London and Washington included remarks from the English astronomer royal Sir Martin Rees and world-renowned physicist Stephen Hawking, both of whom are on the board of sponsors of the bulletin. As scientists, said Stephen Hawking, we understand the dangers of nuclear weapons and their devastating effects, and we are learning how human activities and technologies are affecting climate systems in ways that may forever change life on Earth. 
This is a sober and highly alarming judgment by a group of people who are knowledgeable and experienced, said Nobel laureate John Polanil of the University of Toronto, reported the Toronto Star. The most immediate hazard we face is the most easily addressed, namely the thousands of nuclear-armed weapons aimed at Russia and the United States and left pointlessly in a state of high alert. The fact that they are is an appalling failure to step back from the brink, he said. These men and women are scientists. They don't normally read the Bible, let alone believe in it. Yet these children of darkness are paying attention, not to Bible prophecy, but to world events. They are not celebrating like many of God's people, nor are they ignoring the signs of the times. They are concerned. In their own way, they are warning the world of the coming cataclysmic events. They don't have the advantages that we have in terms of the predictions of the Bible. But nevertheless, these children of the world sense that the end is very near. Amazingly, the scripture even predicts this by saying that the children of darkness are wiser than the children of light. See Luke 16, verse 8. The Toronto Star quoted several other experts. Listen to what they said. American non-proliferation expert Joseph Cirincioni said today's movement of the doomsday clock's hand was a measurable indicator of how bad things are. If some of the world's smartest scientists are saying we are now closer to doomsday, it should focus attention on the urgency of finding solutions. U.S. President George W. Bush's administration has made the dangers faced by the planet worse, he said. They came in determined to make a radical change, and they made it. It was a complete disaster. Every member of what they call the axis of evil is a greater threat now than it was before they came to power. They thought they could use the blunt instrument of military might to overthrow evil regimes. But instead of intimidating countries, they made things worse. By the way, it isn't just the Bush administration that is warmongering. International and political leaders of all political stripes tend to escalate tensions toward war. It is not partisan politics that we're talking about. It is part of the prophetic scenario at the end of time. No matter who is in power, and though there is ebb and flow in political tensions depending on the angels holding back the winds of strife, the trend at the end of time is still the same. The world is moving toward a cataclysmic war. The famous Henry Kissinger, former U.S. Secretary of State, and three other former American officials said that dependence on nuclear arms was becoming increasingly hazardous and decreasingly effective, and said that the world is now on the precipice of a new and dangerous nuclear era. Prophecy tells us that a dangerous age is coming, and now it is here just like prophecy said. Listen to this statement from Evangelism, page 29. It says, Oh, that God's people had a sense of the impending destruction of thousands of cities now given to idolatry. If thousands of cities will be destroyed, surely it will include destruction by war and perhaps even nuclear detonations. 
The doomsday clock was originally adjusted in response to the waxing and waning tensions between the two superpowers, the United States and the Soviet Union. These two powers defined the Cold War and the nuclear threat since they controlled the nuclear devices in the world for essentially four decades. What kept the Cold War cold no longer applies. Mutually assured destruction, or MAD, as it was called, kept both nations in nuclear balance. But then things began to change. Eventually, and inevitably, a new crop of countries, dazzled by the possibility of obtaining nuclear technology, have acquired, or are in the process of acquiring, the technology to make their own nuclear weapons. But up until recently, the threat of nuclear war has still remained between nation-states. Even as late as 1999, and again in 2001, India and Pakistan threatened each other with nuclear exchange. In more recent times, North Korea has threatened the United States with a nuclear warhead missile. The only difference between North Korea and the India-Pakistan threat is that North Korea apparently isn't quite ready with the warhead, but is working to obtain it. This is a collateral development in which both Japan and South Korea, neighbors of North Korea, want to obtain or develop nuclear weapons of their own. Iran has also been threatening to use nuclear warheads on Israel to wipe Israel from the map, according to Iran's President Mahmoud Ahmadinejad. According to Eugene Rabinowitch, one of the bulletin's founders, the bulletin's clock is not a gauge to register the ups and downs of the international power struggle. It is intended to reflect basic changes in the level of continuous danger in which mankind lives in the nuclear age and will continue living until society adjusts its basic attitudes and institutions. In other words, it isn't the day-to-day -day political rhetoric or month-to-month -month ebb and flow of international relations that is the key indicator of the clock status. He is talking about the political and technical sea changes that occur from time to time to the underlying critical elements that keep the world in nuclear equilibrium. Changes in international circumstances and capabilities increase or decrease the threat. These are the things that matter to the Board of Supervisors of the Bulletin. Let us try to understand the meaning of what Mr. Rabinowitz wrote. The threat of nuclear exchange between nations, either by accident, inadvertently, or as a deliberate act of war, is still very real. However, there is a more sinister and volatile potential which has developed since the end of the Cold War and which has changed one very critical factor in the underlying threat. With the dismantling of the Soviet Union, their widely scattered nuclear arsenal was up for grabs. Many warheads, bombs, and other devices simply disappeared. The rise of global terrorism has brought this issue front and center. Now some of these missing warheads are believed to be in the hands of terrorist organizations such as Al-Qaeda. They have the funding to purchase them and to contract or arrange the expensive maintenance costs of such devices to keep them in working order. They even have the capability to transport or smuggle these devices across borders. 
These terrorist organizations are especially dangerous because they are so unpredictable. Even more critical is the fact that they don't have political obligations that a regular nation-state would have that would help keep the detonation of a nuclear device in check. In the hands of terrorists, operational nuclear devices perhaps pose the greatest threat of all. This is a very recent development that has changed the threat level significantly. Furthermore, what is to keep former Soviet nuclear scientists from selling nuclear secrets or their skills to the highest bidder? That factor alone creates a very unstable threat risk. Add to that, however, that there could well be motivation for hostile governments, such as Iran or North Korea, to sell or give nuclear secrets to terrorist organizations. That way, when a nuclear detonation does occur, there is no outward connection between the terrorist organizations and the countries that provided the nuclear know-how. Another critical sea change in circumstances involves the development of globalism. Borders have become much more porous as a result. This was not the case in 1947. Borders were heavily guarded, and people did not move through them as easily. This change, however makes it easier for terrorists to transport fissile material or actual bombs across borders for use within target countries. Further, globalization has eroded the global agreements that have held the nuclear powers in check and prevented, or at least resisted, the spread of nuclear technology and weaponry. In 1970, the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty, or the NPT, came into force. This treaty essentially was a deal between the nuclear states and the non-nuclear states, which said, in effect, that the nuclear states would gradually disarm their nuclear war capabilities in exchange for restraint of the non-nuclear states to not develop nuclear capabilities. In 2005, however, the NPT Review Conference could not come to a consensus on some of the core issues of the treaty. Iran has violated and continues to violate the terms of the NPT, even though it is a signatory. North Korea pulled out of the treaty in 2003 and declared its intention to develop nuclear weapons. The Bush administration has reaffirmed its commitment to nuclear weapons as advantageous militarily. In March of 2006, the Assistant Secretary of Defense, Mr. Peter C. W. Flory, stated that Nuclear weapons, however, will continue to play a critical role in defense capabilities of the United States, its allies, and its friends. Nuclear weapons provide credible military options to deter a wide range of threats, including chemical, biological, radiological, and nuclear weapons, and large-scale conventional military forces. And nuclear weapons possess unique properties that give the United States options to hold at risk a wide variety of target classes. Nuclear weapons will retain a vital role in deterring WMD, or Weapons of Mass Destruction, threats, assuring allies of the U.S. security commitments, holding at risk an adversary's assets and capabilities that cannot be countered through non-nuclear means and dissuading potential adversaries from developing large-scale nuclear or conventional threats. In essence, 
Mr. Flory was saying that the United States needs up-to-date nuclear weapons so that it can keep everybody else at risk and in check. Hence, the U.S. has stalled its progress toward reduction of nuclear stockpiles and is in the process of modernizing them. Moreover, a bevy of other nations are developing nuclear weapons or obtaining them. Since the end of the Cold War, India, Pakistan, and North Korea have declared that they have them. Israel has them, but has chosen not to declare them. Other nations, as you will see, are pursuing them. Another sea change in circumstances is that of rapid communications, which facilitates the spread of technical knowledge of the development, care, and maintenance of nuclear devices. Also, the expansion of dual-use technologies and materials has increased the potential that materials intended for useful purpose, such as nuclear energy generation, will fall into the dangerous hands of those that want to use them for destructive purposes. Nuclear terrorism poses a very critical risk, as the fissile materials needed for these devices is unsecured in many parts of the world, making them more available to terrorists who would use them for very destructive purposes. According to the bulletin, the U.S. and Russia have only succeeded in finding, consolidating, and securing about half of Russia's nuclear bombs and fissile material in just over a decade. Imagine that. Only half. That means that the other half is still out there on the loose. Considering the enormous number of nuclear weapons that exist, half of Russia's arsenal is an enormous amount of destructive potential. The highly technical expertise to go along with these devices is also available for sale. The Atlantic Monthly ran a lengthy article a couple of years ago about Abdul Qadir Khan, who is the father of Pakistan's nuclear program. While bringing Pakistan into the nuclear club, he sold nuclear secrets to North Korea, Libya, and Iran, and who knows who else. Pakistan's president even pardoned him after he confessed to leaking the nuclear secrets. Some friend he is to the United States and other developed countries. On September 30, 2004, the BBC did an interview with Dr. Mohammed El Baradi, an Egyptian who is the Director General of the International Atomic Agency, or the IAEA. Dr. El Baradi was investigating A.Q. Khan's activities. The interviewer asked him, Do you know the extent of the nuclear proliferation that took place as a result of Pakistan scientist Abdul Qadir Khan? as a result of the technology he sold, the equipment that he sold, and the materials that he sold around the world. Dr. Elbaradi said, Not fully yet. It's mind-boggling. All I know is there's at least more than 30 companies in 30 countries all over the globe involved in this fantastic, sophisticated, illicit trafficking network with Mr. A.Q. Khan acting as CEO. In other words, Mr. Elbaradi is suggesting that A.Q. Khan has organized a network of companies, perhaps disguised as legitimate businesses, conducting business with dual-purpose materials, perhaps, but that they are secretly, perhaps, 
developing nuclear weapons devices that will one day fall into the hands of hostile groups or nations. When Jesus said that nations shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, Matthew 24, 6, little did his disciples realize what he was talking about. They had no idea. It appears that this prophecy is being compellingly fulfilled and in ways that to most people are unthinkable. Here's a mighty statement from the Spirit of Prophecy, pamphlet 120, page 11. Soon grievous troubles will arise among the nations, troubles that will not cease until Jesus comes. The judgments of God are in the land. Now, what are those judgments? We have a clear answer from this same page. The wars and rumors of wars, the destruction by fire and flood, say clearly that the time of trouble, which is to increase until the end, is very near at hand. We have no time to lose. This world is stirred with the spirit of war. Consider North Korea, who withdrew from the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty in 2003. The purpose of doing this was so that North Korea could pursue its goal of becoming a nuclear power with warheads to wage war against the United States, South Korea, and other nations. North Korea tested its first nuclear weapon in 2006, three years later. Although there was a lot of pointed condemnatory rhetoric from around the world, the international community has essentially accepted North Korea as a nuclear power. This sends a message to any nation that would aspire to develop nuclear weapons. The message is that the international community is not likely to stand in their way. There are five countries that are recognized by the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty as being nuclear armed. Of these, the most notable are the United States and Russia, which, according to the bulletin, hold 26,000 of the 27,000 known nuclear warheads in the world. To help you grasp these numbers and the destructive potential of so many warheads, the bulletin added some statistics. These warheads are smaller and yet contain anywhere from 8 to 40 times more destructive force than the bombs dropped on Hiroshima Japan in 1945. One small detonation could easily wipe out a small city of a hundred thousand people. As few as 50 of today's weapons could kill 200 million people. Well, why bother having 26,000 of them? Here are the events that have changed the clock over the past 60 years. In 1947, the clock was originally set at seven minutes to midnight. In 1949, the Soviet Union tested its first atomic bomb. The clock was changed to three minutes to midnight. Then in 1953, the U.S. and Soviet Union both tested thermonuclear devices within nine months of each other. The clock was then changed to two minutes to midnight. This was as close as it has come to midnight. In 1960, the clock was changed back to seven minutes because there was a perceived increase in scientific cooperation and public understanding of the dangers of nuclear weapons. In 1963, the
the U.S. and Soviet Union signed the Partial Test Ban Treaty, and the clock was changed to 12 minutes to midnight. In 1960 and 1964, France and China respectively acquired and tested nuclear weapons. Wars were raging in the Middle East, the Indian subcontinent, and Vietnam. So, in 1968, the board changed the clock back to seven minutes. In 1969, the U.S. Senate ratified the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty, and the clock was changed to ten minutes. Then in 1972, the U.S. and the Soviet Union signed SALT-1, that Strategic Arms Limitation Treaty, and the clock was changed back to 12 minutes. In 1974, India tested a nuclear device. SALT-2 talks had stalled, and the clock was changed to nine minutes to midnight. 1980 brought another change. Deadlock on talks between the U.S. and USSR, increases in nationalist wars, and terrorist activity led to another change in the clock, this time back to seven minutes. Then in 1981, the arms race escalated. There were conflicts in Afghanistan, South Africa, and Poland. The clock was changed to four minutes to midnight. In 1984, the famous Star Wars race of Ronald Reagan prompted another change in the clock to three minutes to midnight. Remember that this was the period of time in which the U.S. was putting a lot of pressure on the Soviet Union in the arms race. It was so expensive that the Soviet Union could not keep up, so it gave up. You may remember that this led to the dismantling of the Soviet Union, leaving the U.S. as the only remaining superpower. This was a strategic initiative designed to get the Soviet Union to give up the race, and it worked. Not until recently has there been any discussion or research in space-based weaponry. When there was no more threat from the Soviet Union, the space-based initiative was scuttled. I doubt that President Reagan ever thought that his initiative would be completed. But the change in the USSR also left a lot of nuclear military material and equipment scattered all over the former USSR unsecured. This event ushered the world into the dangerous age we now know today, including the global nuclear terrorist threat. Then in 1988... The U.S. and the Soviet Union signed a treaty to eliminate intermediate-range nuclear forces and relations improved. The clock was changed back to six minutes. In 1990, with the fall of the Berlin Wall, the dismantling of communism in Eastern Europe, the Cold War nearing its end, the clock was changed to ten minutes to midnight. When the U.S. and the Soviet Union signed the Strategic Arms Reduction Treaty, START, the clock was changed to 17 minutes, the farthest distance ever from midnight. But in 1995, concerns about post-Soviet nuclear proliferation of weapons and brain power and continual military spending at Cold War levels prompted the board to move the clock three minutes closer to midnight and set it at 14 minutes. In 1998, India and Pakistan tested nuclear weapons. The U.S. and Russia had difficulty in further reducing nuclear stockpiles, so the clock was changed to nine minutes. In 2002, the U.S. withdrew from the Anti-Ballistic Missile Treaty and rejected a series of arms control treaties. Remember that the U.S. was the only remaining superpower that had just been attacked 
by terrorists. It also had an ambitious agenda for geopolitical power and influence. Also, the dramatic events of 9-11 revealed that terrorists had capabilities that had been only theoretical before 9-11. Furthermore, terrorists were seeking to acquire nuclear weapons. This motivated the board to change the clock to seven minutes before midnight once again. Then in January of 2007, because of North Korea's test of a nuclear weapon, Iran's nuclear ambitions, a renewed U.S. emphasis on the military usefulness of nuclear weapons, and the continued presence of some 26,000 nuclear weapons in the U.S. and former Soviet Union, many of which are unsecured, particularly in the former Soviet Union, the clock has changed to five minutes to midnight. What is more, the board assessed the dangers related to global warming, which had added a new and unquantifiable dimension to nuclear pressures, and has therefore added climate change to its prospect of nuclear annihilation. Climate change will increase the demand for civilian nuclear power, which has the potential to increase the risk of proliferation of weapons-grade material. Moreover, the global insecurity about oil will also add pressure to the need for nuclear power for civilian use. One final note. The Times Online reported on November 4, 2006, that six Arab states have joined the rush to go nuclear. Algeria, Egypt, Morocco, Tunisia, United Arab Emirates, and Saudi Arabia are seeking the technology for nuclear energy. The move, which follows the failure by the West to curb Iran's controversial nuclear program, could see a rapid spread of nuclear reactors in one of the world's most unstable regions, said the Times. All of the countries want to build civilian nuclear energy programs as they are permitted under international law. But the sudden rush to nuclear power has raised suspicions that the real intention is to acquire nuclear technology which could be used for the first Arab atomic bomb, said the Times. Mark Fitzpatrick, an expert on nuclear proliferation at the International Institute for Strategic Studies, said that it was clear that the sudden drive for nuclear expertise was to provide the Arabs with a security hedge. In other words, if Iran is going to have nuclear power and nuclear bombs, these other nations want it too, in order to protect themselves. In simple terms, they want to have a detente, or a mutually assured destruction, of the Middle East. A cold war, so to speak, among the Arab countries, similar to the 40 years of Cold War between the U.S. and the USSR. It is truly mad. If Iran was not on the path to a nuclear weapons capability, you would probably not see this sudden rush in the Arab world, he said. The announcement by the six nations is a stunning reversal of policy in the Arab world, said the Times, which had until recently been pressing for a nuclear-free Middle East, where only Israel has nuclear weapons. The doomsday clock is ticking. How close will it get to midnight? Only God's clock knows that. 
and God's clock is the real clock. It is not symbolic, but through prophecy we can track its ticking seconds. He knows just how to slow or advance the things that concern these scientists. I think it's amazing that God even uses worldly unbelievers to speak for Him. The stones are crying out, so to speak. Shouldn't we be just as awake? I love this about God. He uses secular people to verify what He has said in prophecy. When Napoleon's general Berthier, an atheist, discovered the Rosetta Stone in Egypt, he had no idea that God was using him to verify the accuracy of the biblical record. Now again, these scientists are perhaps completely unaware that they are verifying the biblical prophetic testimony by their actions. Think about it. Right now, there are some serious issues going on politically in regard to nuclear weapons. But these are part of the prophetic galaxy of issues that face our world today. From Maranatha, page 174, we read, Soon strife among the nations will break out with an intensity that we do not now anticipate. The present is a time of overwhelming interest to all living. Rulers and statesmen, men who occupy positions of trust and authority, thinking men and women of all classes, have their attention fixed upon the events taking place about us. They are watching the strained, restless relations that exist among the nations. They observe the intensity that is taking possession of every earthly element, and they realize that something great and decisive is about to take place, that the world is on the verge of a stupendous crisis. Keep your eye on the doomsday clock, but more importantly, keep your eye focused on the Bible as God's revealed word. These events, including the increasing nuclear tensions that have stimulated the change in the Chicago doomsday clock, are really confirmations of what our loving Lord has given us as signs of the times. Your eternal destiny rests on your choices, not on the choices of those that run governments and conduct wars and build nuclear bombs. Your only choice to survive the coming Holocaust is to connect yourself with Jesus Christ and gain victory by His life in you over the temptations of this world. That is not to say that you wouldn't die before He comes. It is only saying that eternally you can survive and migrate to that eternal home in that far country that is waiting for those that love Jesus truly and with all their hearts seek Him daily for their spiritual power. Let us pray. Father, we pray that we may be shielded and protected by your divine power in the coming world calamity. You have told us in your word that we are headed for perilous times. You have told us that there is no escape for the wicked from the judgments of God. Help us to prepare and be ready for the time of trouble. Thank you for your promises of protection to those that love you and live for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Live out thy life within me, O Jesus, King of kings. Be thou thyself the answer to all my questionings. Live out thy life have thy way.
display The temple has been yielded and purified of sin Let thy Shekinah glory now shine forth from within And all the earth keeps silent gentle servant moved only as by thee its members every moment held subject to We hope you have received a great blessing from this month's message. Your prayers and gifts mean much to us. Thank you for your support. The song you have just heard is Live Out Thy Life Within Me, sung by Christian Berdahl.